Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I'm going to be speaking to those of you who maybe are just wanting to come into Christianity or you're just new into Christianity. And I want to speak about the topic that we have been made to be different. At the same time, I don't want to leave out you saints that have been saved a very long time. You're really mature in the faith. And sometimes we get so mature in the faith, we know these, these truths that you're going to hear. And we're going to think, boy, I'm glad he's given that to the other group. But maybe you have plateaued in your life and so you have now allowed yourself to be not bad at all. You're really pretty good. But I want to know, could you be more mature? Could you be a little bit more Christ-like? I think the answer should be yes. I know it is with me and I pastor a church. I pray that I'm closer and more different today than I was a year ago. Not just in preaching techniques, definitely not that. But in a lifestyle of how I drive my car and do my finances and talk to the ladies, a cashier somewhere, I want to make sure that my life is different. So maybe for you, I'm going to ask you that you and I, as more mature Christians, would humble for just a moment, humble ourselves, and say, Lord, would you, through your spirit, lovingly reveal in my life where I need to be different in things that I am doing. I am wanting to lay myself bare, and I want the candle of the Holy Spirit to go to the deepest, darkest most private part of my life because I want to grow. I want to be different. Well, this passage is not the end-all passage on being different, but it is a good bite of the apple for us to chew on for the rest of this week and own for the rest of our life. So if you will, you might take out your Bibles or follow along in your little outline or you can look up on the screen because I want to talk about the fact that we have been made to be different in a world that really is a sin-sick world, that God has called us to be a witness in what Philippians says, that it has been a world that is filled with evil and a perverse generation. And it's really run by Satan, who appeals to the world systems to keep them that way, to our flesh, to drag us down, and to all the things necessary that would cause us to walk away from the Lord. And I hope it's not that way. So we've been made to be different, so what should we do? And I'm going to give you three that I've taken from this passage that found it to be easy to help me understand why I should be different and how I can be different. So the first one is, is I need to think and act differently. To think and act differently. I certainly appreciate a book that was written about 10 years ago by J.P. Moreland. Had the opportunity of knowing him and having him teach for me in one of my churches that I pastored in Southern California. And J.P. wrote a book called Love, your, Love the Lord Thy God with All of Your Mind. And he really made a big emphasis on understanding that what we believe is not just an emotional belief system. It is based upon solid evidential truth of facts that are sought out accurately through science, history, prophecy, all the things necessary that would be objective reasoning to know that what we believe is built upon solid fact. Yes, there's always going to be that leap of faith that we have to take, but it's a leap of faith based upon knowledge and facts. So if we're to be different, it comes from we have to think differently, but also we have to behave differently. Would you allow me for a moment just to read verses 13 through 16 of our passage as we begin going through it together? And here's what it says. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. Take a moment and underline that. Preparing your minds for action. With your mind, you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and perhaps after that there was a bit of an emotion, maybe an emotion of gratefulness, or the guilt was gone, or an excitement that your sins are away from you and you have eternal life. But we prepare our minds for action. 
So we don't just get saved and get fire insurance and go back into the world just saying, okay, that's great. I've taken care of that part of my life so I can still live the way I used to live. Then it goes on to say, and being sober-minded. Would you circle that phrase, sober-minded? That means we need to be carefully minded, balanced thinking in what we're doing. Yes, there's going to be an element of emotion, but we're not driven by emotion. And then it says, set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Would you underline that phrase, as obedient children? That's where I get the fact that we're to be different because we're to think differently, but we're also to behave differently. Now, the behavior part isn't so that we will stay saved. The behavior difference isn't so that we'll get saved. The reason we're different now is because we've trusted Christ as Savior. We have a different reason, but more than that. When we trusted Christ, we were given the power to be able to be different. So now it's a transformation, really, 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 from the inside out, based on His grace and power. So as obedient children. Then it says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. It's kind of like a little dig there, your former ignorance, meaning, you know, before you trusted Christ, you were really ignorant to who God is, ignorant to a biblical lifestyle that is the superior lifestyle. So he says, don't go back to that ignorant state that you were in, which had all those passions that were all askew. So he says, don't go back to that. But it goes on to say, but as he who's called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Now, I can parse that word in the Greek. I can take you to the Old Testament and show it to you. I can give you all sorts of types in the Old Testament of holiness. I can bring it to you through the passages of the New Testament. But I believe that we will never plummet the depths of biblical holiness. But I believe that if we go deep as we can go deep, that we will drink from the sweet taste of the holiness of God that will help us now to be properly motivated to live a life that's separate. Now, Peter was the one who wrote this, but Paul had it a different way. He said it, by using 2 Corinthians 5.17. And he says there, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's in a sense, when you trusted Christ, you were positionally made holy, brand new at that one moment. Now I'm thinking about a new baby. We've got some new babies in our church and I'm so blessed to have a little new baby in our church here and watch how they are. They all come out and most of them look like E.T. But at the same time, but at the same time, they're a new baby. But that's just the beginning now we talk about a new lifestyle that that child needs to learn. And so again, the new beginning is I'm instantly made holy when I trust Christ as Savior, but now I'm to live out that holiness by that new lifestyle that I have. And that comes by thinking differently and choosing to behave differently. That comes from Paul. Now when I go into Peter here, he loves that word holy because he keeps using it over and over again. I often wonder how many times he sat at the feet of Jesus and when Jesus spoke about holiness and taught the Old Testament to them and all those types and how that that was driven deep within Peter. And you know that Peter struggled with holiness because at the moment he wanted to be holy and be on fire for the Lord, at the same time he still had flesh issues where he was challenged with the things that he did in his life. Now I'm going to speak to those that might be on radio now listening and you hear the word holy and you're scared because whatever you heard of holiness, it might be so skewed to what the Bible has to say that you don't want to hear about that. And so let me just simply say the word is not to be, not to be feared. It's a word that simply means that we are set apart. And that's a good thing to be set apart. Set apart from the world's thinking. We might say it this way. Set apart from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But now, when people sometimes talk about holiness, they like to only emphasize we're set apart, get away from all the evil. 
I'm reminded of passage where Jesus was speaking, you cast out these demons, but if you then don't allow righteousness to reign in your life, more demons will come in than the ones you cast out. So you could live your whole life getting rid of that unholiness in your life, but set apart also means to be set apart unto Jesus Christ. It's allowing the fullness of God to really wrap his arms around us and to fill us now so we would then live that way. I love that word holiness. It's a choice that we have now as a Christian to live that way. Maybe an illustration might help you. How many of you, maybe I shouldn't even ask this, how many of you have ever really been behind our building over here? Have you ever been back there? It, it is beautiful now because of what Kaipo has done. He's trimmed trees, he cleaned it all out. Well, about a month ago, I wanted to go back there and to see what Kaipo did to make it look so nice. Now, those of you who know me know that, that I don't do anything slowly. My mom said I would run before I could walk. I always wanted to get ahead of everybody else. So when I go behind the building, we have a sidewalk there. And you can go partly on the sidewalk. I don't, I don't, why mess with the sidewalk? You've got to go this way and this way. I just want to go straight to where I want to go. And so I'm just walking. Now, I know it's dirty back there, but if you walk very carefully, you'll be okay. So I walk very carefully. Don't worry, I didn't slip and fall. There's no quicksand back there. And I went and I looked and I was just, wow, Kaipo did such a great job. What a servant's heart. He cleans out the stream. And I just, man, I just love this man. So, and you'll meet him. He'll close us with the doxology. But anyway, we came back over here. I go upstairs. My office is on the third floor with the team. And there's a little stairwell in the back so I go up there and then I go to the staff kitchen and the guest room kitchen in there and I'm making some coffee and next thing I know I turn around and I notice that there was muddy footprint prints all through there and I thought I didn't see Dennis come in <laughs> what, 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 what did he do in here and then I realized it wasn't Dennis it was me and I says man this thing I, I gotta get this thing cleaned up so what do I do we'll call Carol Wrong, wrong. So I had to clean that up. Now, now I'm saying, here's, we're joking about this, but the real point is this. That God sets a road for holiness that's biblical. He empowers us. It's His holiness lived out through us. It's choices that we make. Often we look at it, we want to get to our goal, but God says, I want to take you on this little bit of a route here. It's solid ground. It's clean. It's pure. It's easier. It may take you longer to get to where you want to go, but you go my way, not your way. But sometimes we want to run through life and get what we want. We have our own goals. We establish them. And even if they're God's goals, we don't always want to get to them God's ways. Did you hear that? We could have God's goals but not want to get there God's way. Now, I'm not talking about the goal of the size of your ministry or your business prospering. I'm just talking about just the goal of holiness. Just the goal of living a different life in the world today. And so I would only ask you how many of you can look back over your life and you got off God's path and you can now see muddy footprints in it, scars in your life, choices that you made, indebtedness that you have, broken relationships, maybe even a disease you're carrying. And I'm so sorry if I said that without love. But that doesn't mean your life is over because God allows us to have do-overs. We may carry the scars, but God says you can still have a fruitful life. He says, I still have a future for you. So God does want us to think and act differently. And I hope it's by the choices that you and I want to make in our life. It doesn't have to be over. Now, you're going to notice that on your little outline I put there the word discipline on one side, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and I have the word wanderer. And the reason I did that is because some of you now might be saying, I would like to move into the, to, to be different, to be holy, but a biblical holiness, separation from the world system and the secular worldview, and I really want to embrace a holiness which would be the biblical worldview. I don't understand all of that just yet, but I know that's where I need to be. I know that if I choose to do that, I'll still live in a world with trials, but at least I'll be closer intimately with the Lord. And so now you see the word discipline and you see the word wanderer. When I use the word discipline there, I'm talking about someone 
regardless of your personality, regardless of your, your, your mental or emotional acuities, that you still have an ability to be disciplined. Now, some of you say, I just don't have any discipline. You don't, you don't preach to me. I can't be disciplined. Yes, you can. I don't see anybody in this room now jumping up and down in your chairs. I don't see anybody dancing in the aisle. So you're disciplined to sit there for the next two hours until I finish the sermon. I'm joking on that last part. <laughs> but let me come back to this. You do have an element of discipline, so I know that you can do that. Now, if you want to activate the ability to do it right, then you go to the most disciplined being of all, which is God, who has everything in order, doesn't go too fast, doesn't go too slow, and you allow him to do that. Now, the wanderer is the person over here who just kind of, I'm saved, I don't care about it, I won't be too bad, but at the same time, I have my life, I have my freedom, I can do whatever I want, God gave me free will, it's okay, I don't have to worry about it, he loves me no matter what I do. So then we wander through life. I don't know where you are on this thing, but I hope that you sense that every moment of every day that we're going to be called upon to not only do this, make decisions, but every minute of every day, we'll be held accountable for every decision that we made. And if we don't see it in this life, we will see it in the next life. No, it won't determine whether we go to heaven or not, but it will determine what kind of rewards that we have when we finally get there. Now remember, when you face choices, there's going to be this ugly monster other than Satan. That's what Satan uses. And it's going to be called temptation. And the temptation is to be lackadaisical. The temptation is to procrastinate. The temptation is to kick back and lay back. The temptation is going to be to wander. One wag said it this way. Opportunity knocks once, but temptation just leans on the doorbell. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of truth in that. And so I wouldn't be a bit surprised if today when you leave here, immediately the Lord is going to test your resolve to see if you want to own this truth for you. To prove it to you, the sincerity of your commitment. And he's going to tempt you in some area to get your eyes back on him for the great strength that you can have. So my question to you is, you've been made to think and act differently. So are we? Are we thinking differently? Are we choosing to be different from the world? And then let's make it more personal. Are you? Are you willing to think differently? And are you willing to behave differently? No matter the cost. And then you can ask, am I? I hope that I am. Now the thinking differently... When you think differently, you've got to think on something. And let me just tell you, the best upon which to think is going to be the Word of God. Let these words abide in you that will then give the truth to your mind upon which you can then think. All right, let's go to number two because some of us can say, all right, I want to think differently. I'm making the choice to behave differently. But we also have to be prepared for a different way of life. A different way of life. Some of you who are new may not know this, but Carol and I took a girl into our life uh, who was sleeping in a bus years ago, many, about 10, 15 years ago. And uh, she was a Christian. And we checked that out carefully. And um, so she came to live with us. And when she came to live with us, she was very grateful to be in our home. But there were still some things that she used to do. One time we let her go to youth group. And it was on a Wednesday night. And uh, the youth group leader was taking all the kids home after the youth meeting, into the car. 
Now, this gal is a very passive, sweet, very shy, does not rebel outwardly with people. Maybe a little passive aggression in there, but that's just because she had all those baggage. Anyway, she's supposed to get in the car. When she finally came home, it was unusual, but the youth director's wife walked her to the door. And she's 17. You don't walk a kid like that to the door, but she did. So we knew something was up, so I went out there. My responsibility was the discipline, the teaching of, of God's word with this uh, young person and the academics. Carol was to help this girl to be a godly woman, to talk about issues that would be spe specifically designed for the world in which a young lady would live in. So we kind of knew our battle line. So I thought, oh, I better take, see what's going on. Pastor Pons. Oh, I hate when they do that. Pastor Pons. She would not get in the car when I asked her to. How many times did you ask to ask? Five times. And then I threatened to leave her and that you would have to come back and pick her up. Then she got in the car. I said, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Is that pretty much how it was, Bev? Bev said, yep. That's pretty much how it was. I just didn't feel like leaving right then. I wanted to be with my friends. Okay. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that, Debbie. And Debbie went out. She headed out. So I said, we've got to have a little talk. So I got in her face. And I said, you know, <clears throat> I will never hit you. But when you disobey authority, when they have sacrificed so much to do this for you, and they ask you something that is extremely reasonable, let alone biblical, you never want to see the wrath of Pastor Pons again. And a little tear. And then I smile and I said, you know why, Bev? Because you can't be the same girl you used to be. Did you catch that? Because you trusted Christ as Savior. And do you know, I can look at you and say, she never once, that I could recall, with Carol or any authority figure, ever got in that authority figure's face and disobeyed. Now, sometimes she didn't like certain things. We all are like that. Don't look so smug. We're like that too. But at the same time, she remembered the phrase, I can't do what I used to do because I'm not the same person I used to be. And some of you say, is that a good switch? You betcha it is. There's nothing better than to know that you're in God's forever family. No matter what you go through, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You have all the blessings and all the power. And most of all, even if your whole world caves in and you die young, you still went to heaven. You still have rewards. And you're in the presence of Almighty God. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, you have none of that. That's a promise of him. So we have to have a new way of life. If you will look at verse 13 and then drop down to verse 17. I wanted you to see how it flows in the passage here. It says, preparing your minds for action. You might want to underline that because that means you're thinking, not just so you embrace it intellectually. It's not just so you have dead orthodoxy. It's so that you embrace it with your mind so it'll change your lifestyle, okay? And if you call on him as father, and remember a moment ago I said, how many of you have trusted Christ as Savior? That means he is your father. So if you call on him as your father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, I love this in bold, conduct yourselves with fear. That means respect. Throughout the time you're on this earth. And who are you to respect? It's to be respecting the Lord. How important that is. You know what God is really doing is he's teaching you the word so that you would be prepared to live your life. You know, when you come to church on Sunday, there's a lot going on. It's so much, I couldn't even tell you. I don't mean events, but I'm saying the events have a reason behind them. The food out there, when people come early, they donate the food, they cook the food, they put it out there, they serve you. It's not about the food. 
It's all about connecting with one another so you could say something kind to each other. You hear a prayer request, put your arm around someone, pray for them, give them a kind word, offer to do something, serve them throughout the week, connectivity. When we're doing our music up here, yeah, the sound doesn't work sometimes and sometimes certain things don't happen, but that's okay because when we finally break out into song, it's coming from the heart and we are worshiping in song at least that moment. And then the time that you hear these messages, it's not about me. I'm not the greatest speaker in this world. I, I, I go too long. I know I do these things, but I'll tell you this. I love the Lord and I want to prepare you. I want to inspire you so that you'll serve him with a heart of love. And then at the same time, I want to equip you to go out there to walk a new lifestyle and hopefully connect to the world to bring them to God. And so you're coming to be prepared. Real soon, they're going to have the Molokai to Oahu canoe race, which is the outrigger race. How many know what I'm talking about? You know those guys that are racing across there. They've hardly ever paddled a canoe before they started, right? No, they've been working out all year. They've been preparing for this thing. I have a guy today that's not here because this morning he was called because he had to do training at the military base to prepare some of the guys for the medicine that they might have to take when they're overseas. I'm thinking of those guys that are the recruiters. They have to prepare them what it's like to be in the military. Then you've got to prepare them to be what it's like in country. Then you've got to prepare them for what it's like to be in battle. Think about all the preparation that goes in. Think about our doctors that are out here, all the preparation. Think about our attorneys and all the preparation they go through. And we want them to be that way then why can't we as Christians be properly prepared with a life that's different than the world so we can carry a message with power? I want to be like that. And so classes are offered in how we know the Bible's inspired and how to communicate with others and how to live a life of difference for the world. It's all to help us to prepare to live a different lifestyle. But what's our motivation? Look, if you will, at verse 18 and 19. Why should you and I prepare ourselves to be different? I love this. It says, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. That means we got that sin nature from them and that turned into a lifestyle of negativity and sinfulness. Not we're, we're ransomed, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Now look up here for a second. Why does God want me to think differently, behave differently, and have a different lifestyle? It's all because Jesus Christ paid my sin debt. Do I hear an amen on that? Now, when he died, he just didn't die like he's, his heart stopped beating. He died a horrible, brutal, mocking court scene. Then he, his body was so marred that Scripture says you wouldn't even recognize him. And then he died up there on this cross a horrible way with so much embarrassment. Because he loved you and me. You know, I've done this so many times, but since we've got some in the ministry here, watch how I do this and you use it as well, okay? Watch carefully. Let my right hand represent you and me and my wallet represents sin. The Bible says we're all sinners. We inherited that lifestyle and that sin from our forefathers and from Adam, so we got it from them. Can't get rid of it. That's it. No matter what kind of a father or mother you had, you still have that sin. The Bible says because I'm a sinner like this, I'm destined to be separated from him. By nature and choice forever in hell. The Bible says to go to heaven, I've got to be perfect, but I'm not. I have sin on me. The Bible says no good deed I do myself will get to heaven. Over and over again, it's not by my works. Let my left hand represent God who took on flesh. Nothing on it to represent sin because he was sinless. I have a wallet on my right hand to represent sin because I'm sinful. 
So are you, so is everyone in the world. And my sin separates me from him, separates me from heaven. That's Old Testament, New Testament, it's all over there. Now watch what happens. The Bible says that Jesus Christ ransomed us. He was without spot or blemish because Old Testament type said that when that lamb was to be sacrificed, there could be no blemish. You couldn't give a, an, an old lamb that was kind of broken and had mange. And, ah, we don't need it. It probably won't taste good anywhere. Let's sacrifice that to God. No, we were to take the best that we could. And Jesus was the best without spot and blemish. And when he died, look what he did. His blood was shed. He took all my sin on himself. Not part of my sin, but all of my sin. We don't pay for part sin. He doesn't pay for part sin. He took all my sin on himself. He died and he rose again. Now, by what he did, that's the beginning of the motivation for me to think, behave, and to have a whole new lifestyle. It's not about me. And yeah, God promises rewards and God promises never to leave us. But at the same time, it's all because he died for me. So I don't care what I have to go through. It's worth it because of what he did for me. Is there a witness on that? I'm telling you, that's my motivation because with all of that, he didn't do it begrudgingly. He said, I love you. I want you in heaven. I have a better lifestyle for you. I have to do this for you so you can have all of this. And he was so motivated by love. So let's look at number three. Because Jesus paid a price for you. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.